Good morning. Good morning. morning. Where did all of y'all come from? Oh, my gosh. I sat down and there were three people in the room. That was easier. Okay. Well, here we are. And as you see, I have my beautiful wife, Tony, in whom I'm very well pleased with me this morning. Um, We were asked to share on intimacy and transparency. It's been a great week. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you, Rick. <laughs> Thanks Thank you, a lot, elders. Rick. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And we were knee to knee and eye to eye as late as 11 o'clock last night and getting transparent and intimate. Amen. Amen. We are walking out what we're teaching. Yeah. Hey, and glory, we did not fight no? on the way to church. We were, I'm telling you, that is a score of points. We were too right tired. We, were, <laughs> we chose not to talk. It was easier that way. That's <laughs> right. No, but um, I just really felt like as we as we were sharing this, you know, from my heart, I, you know, I get to experience my wife every day. You know, one time for her birthday, I think it was her birthday, I wrote her a letter, and uh, and it was a letter to the world. Uh, Telling the world about her and, uh, and how amazing she is and what a blessing she is and what a treasure she is. And, uh, and I just think, you know, I get to experience that every day. And uh, I think, you know, she's got some good things to say. And I want you folks to experience some of that today, too. Amen. All right. Well, why don't you pray for us, baby? Well, Jesus, we need you. <laughs> that's, that's just the bottom line. Your body needs you. Your bride needs her groom. And Lord, today I just pray as we um, go through this idea of vulnerability, of intimacy, what that looks like, that the bridegroom would just be over every part of his bride, just whispering, whispering into the heart of your bride, what you want them to hear, God, what you want them to see, what they can get out of. We may be speaking, but I pray that they just hear what they need to hear, that they don't even hear the words we speak if they need to hear something different. So we just trust you, Lord, in that. We trust you in your manifestation of your of your love for us, Lord. And I pray that today would not be just any other Sunday, but that we would walk out of these doors transformed by the idea that you love us, and because of that, we can love each other mm. in the fullness of what you've called us to love. So we love you, and again, we need you. May your spirit just be present and do what it wants to do. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Well, our, our verse will start out with is Genesis two twenty five, um, and and I want to say this as as you're turning there that that relationships are purposed for intimacy and vulnerability, and intimacy and vulnerability equal a close personal relationship without walls. Um, we were made for that. We were made for intimacy. We were made for fellowship. We were made for relationships. Uh, I don't I don't know if you know. Notice that the best shows on TV are the best shows because of the interaction and the relationships between the characters. Uh, I was a Star Trek fan. I don't know if we have any Trekkies in here. But I really enjoyed the relationship between Kirk and Nemo. And, uh, uh, yeah. Um, Spock, sorry. Uh, and uh, Nemo. My childhood, my, my kid's childhood's coming through me this morning. But anyway, I, and I enjoyed uh, Jim. 
I'm a doctor, not a miracle worker. You know, I, I enjoyed the relationship and the interaction that they had. And you see that in a lot of shows. It's the relationships in the shows, the chemistry that they have that really make the show this popular. Why? Because we're made for relationships. We're made to, to know God. We're made to, to, to walk in intimate fellowship and intimate relationship with God. But we're also, listen, I need, need us to hear this. We're made to walk in intimate fellowship and relationship transparent relationship with one another. God made us for that. And we need that. That's a great need in our life. Um, in Genesis 2.25, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Humanity originally walked with God and one another with no fear or shame. Wow, what a, what a place. They were completely free to be themselves with no barriers between them or God. They had purpose. God placed them in the garden. But their primary purpose was to love and to be loved. <laughs> that was their primary purpose. They were made for love, not just love for God, but God determined it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. <laughs> if that was true for Adam, then it's certainly true for us now. <laughs> right? It's not good for us to be alone. We're not made to be alone. I mean, you, you look at men that are put in, in solitary confinement and isolation. They go insane. They go mad. Okay. What, what was the movie with Tom Hanks where he was trapped on the island? Yeah, he made a ball. That was the face. What was, the, what was his name? Wilson. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Wilson. Uh, why? We need somebody to talk to. Why? Because we're made for relationships. We need that. That's a tremendous need in our life. God created us to need him, but he also created us to need one another. And we can't function in life without one another. It's vital. Well, I was, um, when we started going through this and Robbie used that phrase, one another, I was reminded of a friend that we have that we've gotten really close to over the years and um, he's just someone who was brought up in the church, um, but he experienced a lot of wounding at the hands of the people in the church that he was involved in. He watched those people hurt his family, hurt him. And so as he grew, he pretty much decided he didn't need the body of Christ. He didn't need help. He didn't need God. And so it was an awesome, really a privilege to watch God woo this man, to woo him to himself, to bring him back into the body. And because he never really sought any healing of his old wounds, when he got into the body, he got hurt again. And he came to me one day and he said, in essence, this is not verbatim, but in essence, he said, you know what? I'm done. I'm over this. I don't need the church. I don't need God. I've got this. And I felt like God gave me like a revelation of the moment. Thank you, Jesus. Because I looked at him and I said, you know what I want you to do? If you'll do this one thing and you can come back and tell me you still feel the same way. Okay. But what I'd like you to do is go home, break out your concordance, and look up every scripture that contains the phrase, one another. It was powerful. He came back to me a week later. I promise you, he looked me in the eye and he told me he hated me. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what you just did to me, but, 
But there's a whole lot of those scriptures. I'm like, well, that is my point. That is my point. I wanted you to see that you really don't have this. You really can't live without God. You can't live without his people. We need each other. And I just, I picked out six. And there's a whole lot more than that. But I'm going to give you six one another scriptures that will blow a hole in that boat. Nobody can sail in that boat of aloneness anymore. John thirteen thirty four, And I've just kind of extracted the precious, you know, concerning one another. Love one another even as I have loved you. Pretty simple. Romans twelve ten, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. I mean, we could stop there. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. Uh, Philippians 2, 3, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Oh my gosh, in this selfish society that we live in, this one's hard. Let us regard one another as more important. James five sixteen. confess your sins to one another, the outcome so that you may be healed. There's something powerful about getting that sin in the light. Healing can come. Romans 14, 13. Let us not judge one another anymore. Oh, gosh, if we just had those six scriptures and lived in it, how powerful could that be? The bottom line is there are far too many of these. We cannot afford to be alone. When I get isolated away and it happens to me, especially living in Floyd, I'm just saying it can happen. <laughs> Um, when I feel that isolation, I find myself withdrawing farther. But that is so wrong. God is just speaking to me too. Don't shrink back. Do not not try again. you got to try again. Do not wait to love. You have to love. Do not wait to be pursued. Sometimes, guys, you have to be the pursuer. You can't sit back and keep wondering why nobody comes to talk to you. I remember when I was in college, and this is no lie, Rick set me up at his alma mater. Thanks, Rick. He's had a little influence in my life over the years. But I went to the BCM, not once, not twice, not three, not four, like a half a dozen times, and not one person spoke to me. I'm serious. I'm like, this can't be right. You know, and then I'd go back to my room, and I'd cry, and then I'd, say bad things about Rick behind his back and how he set me up for all that. <laughs> and so I made a decision. I was going to give it one more chance. Like I just felt the Lord say, one more chance. So I went in and this guy came to me and introduced himself and he introduced me around the BCM. And at that moment, I decided that I would be the person looking for the people that have never been seen before. That was not my personality. I know y'all think that's my personality. <laughs> but that was not my personality at the time. I have evolved into a person who's not afraid to go up and say, I've never seen you before. What's your name? I'm not afraid to be that person anymore. Sometimes you have to be the pursuer. That's the bottom line. Don't wait. Go out. Be that person that reaches. We're working through that. <laughs> it's funny because the day I graduated, I had so many friends from Alabama 
that I was now mad at Rick because I had to leave them in Alabama and go back to Florida. Rick, you just can't, couldn't get out of the doghouse then. I'm sorry. I tried. What's new, right? <laughs> uh, there's, there's a great need in the human heart that, that can't be fulfilled by even just coming to church or, or Facebook or sending a tweet. You know? Don't do I mean, that. You know, there, there's, a, there's a tremendous need in our heart for relationship. You know, this... This time that we experience here should be a crescendo of the intimacy and the fellowship and the relationships that we're developing throughout our lives. Now, it can also be a connection point, a beginning of intimacy and fellowship with God and a beginning point of fellowship with one another. But it, but it can't be your sole source of intimacy and relationship. You know, and I watch it in here. I see the hunger. I watch people come in. And everybody's talking. What is that? There's a hunger. We, we want a fellowship. We want to talk. We want to share. We want to be in relationship. We need that. Men need healthy relationships with men. And women need healthy relationships with women. Listen, it's in our DNA. Okay? Think about, and I'll talk to the guys about this, and you could talk to about with the girls. But with, with guys, you know, we had clubs. We had fort, forts. No girls allowed. Remember that? Those huh? were the days. Well, you know, nowadays we've kind of evolved. And, and guys, and y'all know what I'm talking about. We have the circle of trust. that shall not be violated. Or you will be excommunicated. I'm just kidding. But there is a place where guys need to share guy stuff. Okay. There, there's a need for that. We need healthy relationships with God. We, we need intimacy with one another, guys. Not in a weird way. Now listen, in our macho American society, we get all wigged out. Oh, intimacy with guys. Oh my gosh. Come on, man. We need that, man. I need a hug from my brother. You know, we do it more. We do it more, uh, more uh, uh, covert now. Stand up, Julio. That's how we do it now. We do Good game, man. Good game. <laughs> you know. Huh? Woo! <laughs> Good game. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's one. Here's one. Oh, no. Yeah, this is, this is our... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> but, but guys need intimate communication with one another. Listen, and it's fine to start out talking about fishing poles and four-wheel drives, okay? But we got to get beyond fishing poles, four-wheel drives, and iPhones, <laughs> okay? Amen. 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 I'm trying. We got to get down into the stuff, man. Later. We got to get down into what makes us tick. I was so blessed the other night with Tulio. We were, we were in a class. And Tulio just, we were, we were all kind of sharing, processing what we were learning. Man, he just came out with a part of his life just, wow. You know, just threw it out there. No shame. No, no hindrance. Just, you see the freedom in him. But it was so, it, it was so inviting <laughs> to, to, to vulnerability. It was saying, hey, here I am. <laughs> you know, and I don't care what you think about me. I love you. But God's healed me of this. You know, this is what, you know, it was, it was so precious. It was so special. And guys, we need that. 
We need that level of communication. Yeah. Many of us are struggling with areas in our life, the darkness that she's talking about, or the, the uh, confess your sin one to another. Why is that? Because anything that we leave in the dark, the enemy can beat us slap to death with it. Yeah. He trashes us and condemns us with it. We go to our brother and we share with our brother, hey, I'm struggling with this. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time with this. Yeah. We get it out in the light. We pray for one another. We begin the process of getting healing in that area of our life. He may not know what to do, but he may know somebody that does know something to do. We can get together with that person. We can begin to work through it, begin this process of getting set free. We've got to take a risk. We've got to step out. And, and guys, I want to say that to you. We're all stove up. A lot, a lot of guys are all stove up, all closed up. We're going we're gonna to hold it all together and be tough. You're not tough. Your guts are rotting out inside, man. You're hurting. You're lost. You're struggling. We got to get that stuff out, man. Mm-hmm. We got to get it out. Yeah. You know, I, it's one of the things that I learned at, at Dunklin, and one of the things that, that we try to do with, with the guys that we work with, there's so much stuff, so much shame and guilt, so many things that they're battling with. We, it's our goal to try to help them get that stuff out in the light. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with guys, and, and this is hard stuff, man, but this is the stuff that, that we deal with. I'm not saying you deal with it. Yeah. But I've worked with guys that on Christmas Eve came down and robbed all the Christmas presents from underneath the tree and stole them and hawked them. The kids came down. No presents. Now that's hard stuff. Okay? How is that guy going to face that, Rick? How is he going to deal with that? Is he just going to suck it up? You think that's how he's going to? No. He's got to get that out. He's got to get it out in the light. He's, and we have to be a safe place for that. We have to be a safe place. Not a place of shame and pointing the finger and saying, look how you screwed up. No. Although inside I'm going, wow. <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, but your mama was mad about that right there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, we've got to be a safe place. Yeah. You know? We've got to be a place... Of not condemnation. Well, how are we that safe place? Well, we're that safe place because the cross leveled the ground. Okay? The cross leveled the ground. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody has the right to, to point the finger. Listen, your goodness will take you as far away from God as my badness. Okay? None of us have the right to point the finger. Your self-righteousness will take you as far away from God as my unrighteousness will. Okay? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> you know, it still separates us from God and it still separates us from one another. The cross leveled that. The cross not only uh, uh, gave us level ground, it also gave us common ground. <laughs> Amen. We have common ground at the cross. We have a place where we can relate. We're all poor and needy and need God. We're all sons and daughters. Not that we're all sinners. The cross dealt with sin so that Trueness of who we really are could be revealed. Okay? There were sons and daughters of God. That's the common ground that we have. But we need that place. We need that place of intimacy. Being able to relate. Being able to share. Being able to talk. Being able to open up. We can't survive without it. We're broken and lost and miserable without that. This life is not life at all. I'm going to tell you something. Life ain't about Facebook. Life ain't about iPhones. Life ain't about whatever we make it out to be. A new house or a new car or 
whatever. It's about us. <laughs> it's yeah. about relationships. Yeah. It's about intimacy. Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to share on that? Well, I just had to laugh because I think for girls, we had slumber parties. Right? We had our diaries with a lock on it, with voice recognition. Okay, they didn't have that in my day, but they have that now. I'm thinking about going to get one. But we were able to come into these slumber party settings and share, you know, the, the latest crush. We had our posters on the wall. Sean Cassidy. No, he wasn't one of the faves. I could go down a list, but I don't think Sean was on my wall. But anyway... Hannah's new one is One Direction. I mean, she's rich. She's got a whiteboard in her room, and there's all this One Direction stuff, which is really sweet. I try to remember I was there, too. So, but I was just thinking about that. In that slumber party setting, there was no fear to share our hearts. We could be who we were going to be. We could have pillow fights. We could eat popcorn. We could eat, watch some girly little movie. And we would go away the next day happy, whether we slept or didn't sleep. We could go away happy because we had been in relationship with each other. And I have to be honest, there are days at my age today that I still want to have a slumber party with some of my friends because it feels like in this fast-paced world, we don't see each other. There's, there's so much love, and then you don't see each other. That is not the way God designed us. If we're too busy for relationships, we're too busy. And relationships not all about ministry. I, that's hard because we're that, in that. Say that one again, Tanya. Preach it. Woo! <laughs> what did I say? Relationships are not always about ministry either. Some of the most precious relationships in my life are the women who will talk to me about the everyday, about my passions. I've started doing this art stuff that I love. And Tammy will come to my house and she'll ooh and awe over it and she'll tell me I'm so gifted and that God has anointed me and that I have a voice. And when she leaves, I'm like, dang, I'm going to go make a new one. I got I to gotta go create. But that's that heart. She talks to me outside of drug addiction. And yes, I have a lot to offer in the drug addicted world. We grew up in this stuff. I survived, you know, an alcoholic home. I've come a long way in the things that I was wounded with. So I love comforting with that with which I've been comforted. I love that. That feeds my spirit. But that one-on-one -on -one going to the flea markets, that feeds my spirit too. I need that slumber party feel even at this age. Don't give up the slumber party, girls. Y'all are still young enough. Do it. Y'all go have a slumber party tonight if you want to. Feed that part of your spirit. I agree with Robbie. We cannot exist in the fullness of who God's created us to be without each other. Yeah, the fullness of God is in the body of Christ. We can't experience the fullness of God apart from the body of Christ. Apart from relationships with one another. I experience the fullness of God in, in, in my, when I listen to my wife and we share and we talk and we open up and we're vulnerable to one another. And, and listen, sometimes that vulnerability doesn't start out all sweet and pleasant, okay? It doesn't start out... It does for me. Yeah. It does. Okay. Well, we'll work through that. But anyway... Uh, 
No, it, it doesn't start out that way, but it gets that way. You know, con- listen, conflict, conflict can bring intimacy. Okay? Iron sharpens iron. Isn't that conflict, Rick, in the Bible? Isn't that what they're talking about? And it does. Con- the problem is, is that we, listen, I know that the people that I work with, I'm going to fight with. I know that. I expect that. If we didn't fight, there'd be something wrong. Okay? I'm not concerned with whether or not we fight. I'm concerned with if we fight right. That's what I'm concerned with. I'm concerned that are we going to see it all the way through or are you going to leave me? (laughs) You're going to divorce me because we had a problem. We can work through anything if we work through it together. We can get through it. We can get on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that is intimacy. On the other side of some of our, uh, I'll call them disagreements. On the other side of those disagreements, I know her more. (laughs) I know the depths of her heart more. She knows the depths of my heart more. And and marriage is just that, a lifetime of learning to love and understand someone. Mm -hmm. Understand the depths of their heart. Not just what they do, but what motivates what they do. Why they do what they do. What's going on with them. And learning how to love that and minister to that and help that. Mm -hmm. That's what marriage is. That same idea goes into singlehood too. Mm -hmm. We don't want you guys to check out just because we're talking about married folks. I have a woman in this room named Paula Sizemore that I have been friends with for 32 years. 32 years. And in 32 years, Paula and I have had to work through a couple of things. I'd get mad at her when I'd get mad at Rick. It would kind of translate over. Sorry. But in that 32 years, I've learned what makes Paula tick. I know what pleases her. I know what blesses her. And I know what will make her mad. I think I did more of that in the beginning than the pleasing part. But we've grown. We've come so far. In the t- they nurtured me. From the time I was 17, Rick and Paula have nurtured me. But my point in that is that started in singleness. I wasn't married. I needed a friend. And Paula was that friend for me. So don't check out on intimacy because you think that's got marriage written all over it. Intimacy It's involved in marriage. We have to have that for our marriage to be what God's created it to be. But it is in relationships as a whole. Amen. And I I want you to hear this. The the, the plan to destroy mankind began with the destruction of intimacy and transparency. (laughs) Hear that. The plan to destroy mankind and humanity began with the enemy cutting off mankind from their intimacy and transparency with God and their intimacy and transparency with one another. In Genesis 3.7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. How the enemy planted a, a seed of mistrust in Eve. He said, Well, surely you won't die. You know, he just knows that when you eat it, you're going to be like him. What did he do? He sowed a seed of mistrust. He sowed a seed of unbelief. Okay? And that seed began to work in her. Trust 
is one of the foundations for healthy relationships. And violation of trust puts the relationship in jeopardy. Listen, I've worked with a lot of men and women in addiction. Women who have husbands who are in addiction are not as hurt by them using drugs as they are the lies that are told when they're using drugs. <laughs> That's what devastates their hearts more. It's the violation of the trust. <laughs> then when they realized they were naked, again, they tried to cover their nakedness. They were no longer vulnerable. He attacked vulnerability. <laughs> you know? when, when Adam ate the fruit, you know, when he saw, you know, he saw her eat it, he's like, She didn't die, I'll eat it. Hold out on us. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I mean, I'm speculating, so don't... Listen, I, I'm not even going to give you my email so you can shoot me an email, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Send okay? it to Tulio. He'll afford it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, but again, when, when, they, when they realized that they, that they were naked... And listen, I, I shared this with Rick... I was reading some commentary, and I thought this was really interesting. That in this commentary, there's several scriptures in the Bible that refer to light as being a garment. Okay? That light could be worn as, as like a garment. And some of these commentaries speculate that Adam and Eve actually wore light. <laughs> and, and when they sinned, that light went out, and they knew they were naked. <laughs> you know? That's pretty cool. Study it up. All right? There you go. How about it? Let us know what you find. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty well. Um, but notice, notice that the enemy always puts us in a no-win situation. He'll convince you that sin is right. And fun. <laughs> and fun and good. Oh, it feels so good. How can something that feels so good be so wrong? Be so wrong? Huh, girl? <laughs> I've been watching you. From so far across the floor now, baby. Oh, I see that look in your eyes. He sings this to me all the time. <laughs> oh, well, well. Y'all think he's just making it up on the spot. Oh. But he's not. He gets very wide in there. Hey, girl. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm messing around. But he convinces us that sin's okay. <laughs> That's pretty convincing. That's yeah. terrible. Anyway, but then when we fall into it, he condemns us for it mm -hmm. to no one's situation. Then when God came to be intimate with them in the cool of the day, they ran and hid from him. Mm -hmm. The enemy destroyed their intimacy. That was the time when God came to be intimate with them, to walk with them in the cool of the day, to spend time with them, to fellowship with them. And sin caused them to run away and hide. And destroyed their intimacy. When questioned, Adam pointed the finger at Eve and said she was the problem. And went on to say, God, you did it. I was fine till you brought her along. This is your fault. You were the one that did this. You're the one that said it wasn't good for me to be alone. I was fine. You did this. And then Eve pointed the finger at the enemy and blamed him. And although what she said was true, she was still pointing the finger outside of herself. Listen, anytime we're pointing the finger outside of ourselves, that's not intimacy. Amen. That's not intimacy. In a marriage, let me tell you something. As long as we're pointing the finger at each other, there can be no intimacy. 
But as soon as I take responsibility for me, she takes responsibility for her. We begin to talk. Things begin to change. Things begin to happen. Then I can sing that song. (laughs) Did you have something on that you want to share? No. No, You didn't want to sing? No, no. It's good. But I want to kind of paint a scenario, and I want to kind of flip this a little bit. And and just go with me on this, okay? I'm not changing the scripture. I'm not saying that this was in the scripture. I'm posing maybe this is what intimacy and vulnerability might have looked like if Adam and Eve would have handled the situation differently, okay? Father, we were wrong. We blew it. They walk from behind the tree and remove their fig leaves. We listened to and believed the lie that you were holding out on us. We thought you lied to us and we were wrong. Adam, when I saw her eat it and nothing happened, I got angry with you, Father. Because I was so hurt that I thought you lied to me. In my hurt, my anger, I rebelled against you. I went against what you told me. And I'm so ashamed. Father, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I also hurt the precious gift that you gave me and wanted to blame her for what happened. It was easier to blame her than to look at where I failed. I didn't want to look at where I failed, so I pointed the finger at her. Please forgive me. Eve could have said something different like, Lord, I, I feel so stupid. I feel so ashamed. I can't even believe that I let that serpent deceive me the way that I did. I feel like I failed you, Father. When I started to look at that fruit and it looked so good, I knew it would taste wonderful because everything out here tastes wonderful. So this had to be pretty good. So when it was looking good and it was feeling good, I was in that moment where I had to make a decision. And then Adam, you know, Adam didn't speak up and say, no, honey, let's not do that. So I thought, well, if Adam is okay with it, it must be okay. So I made my choice and it was unwise. And I know that what I was trying to do was to protect myself because I didn't think he was going to protect me. I didn't think you were really going to protect me. So I, I ate the apple and or whatever. But I'm sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. The Lord's response to them. I love you and I forgive you. Two of you are the apple of my eye. I would never withhold any good thing from you. And most of all, I would never lie to you. You were made to be with me. And all I have ever wanted was to love you and bless you. You are a treasure to me. I didn't make you to be me. I made you to be with me. Amen. I made you to be one with me. Mm -hmm. I made you for intimacy. Then Adam turned to Eve. Eve, I'm so sorry. I didn't protect you. In my hurt, my anger, I allowed you to be hurt. 
And when Lord God questioned me, I blamed you and I'm so sorry. I put my failure on you and that was so wrong. I love you. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, Adam, that I didn't trust you, that I didn't believe that you would protect me. I should have talked to you first. I shouldn't allow the words that were going through my mind to not come out into the light. I shouldn't let them stay there. They needed to be out. I'm sorry I didn't do that. We should have talked to the Father. I should have talked to you. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Amen. I feel better already. Forgive me. I did. I said it. Okay. I forgive you, Adam. Right. Now, we know that didn't happen then. But that can happen now. Amen. Why can that happen? Because he can. He drew near. Jesus came and, 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 and God put his son in the most vulnerable state he could be in. One cell. <laughs> One cell. And he came and he walked the earth. And not only did he teach us uh, how to walk with the Father and what a relationship with the Father looked like. He died and then made the way so that we would have access to the Father through his blood. But while he walked the earth, he showed us what relationship with the Father was all about. See, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that time right, had painted a picture of who the Father was. Okay? The Father was harsh, legalist, <laughs> harsh requirements, heavy weights. Okay? Why do you think that Jesus, when he got mad in the temple and he, and he started slinging everything around, he was saying, you're painting a wrong picture of who my father is. This place that is made to commune with my father, you've turned it into a den of thieves. You made it into something that it was never intended to be. Get out. <laughs> he was frustrated. <laughs> he was angry. Why? Because they were painting a picture of who his father was. that wasn't true. <laughs> wasn't right. They came to him one time and, and they had what was called the traditions of men, which were border laws around the original law of God. And there's a whole thing about the Pharisees. I, I did some study on it. We don't have time to go into where they came from and what they were, all that. But they had these border laws and they, they set up these laws around the original laws of God so that you would, if you, if, you would break those before you would actually break the law of God. And you wouldn't have to actually do this. It was weird. Good intentions, but it still separated people from God. And one day they came to Jesus. I, don't, I can't remember what it was. He was, either, he was either hanging out with the wrong people. He didn't wash his hands like he was supposed to. I can't remember. But they were putting, his, putting some of those traditions on him. And he said, by your traditions, you cause men to violate the laws of God. And he goes into telling them. He said, you, you have a house, you declare it Corbin, which means dedicated to God. <laughs> okay? And it, when you declared your house Corbin, dedicated to God, nobody else could live there but you. So if you wanted to get rid of your elderly mother and father, <laughs> you could declare your house Corbin. They would have to leave. Sorry, dedicated it to the Lord. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. You got to go. It's probably more in, the, the in-laws. <laughs> Okay. 
And Jesus said this to them, by your traditions of men, you cause men to violate the laws of God to honor your father and your mother. See, they painted a wrong picture of who the father was. And Jesus showed us the heart of, heart of the father when the woman brought in the very act of adultery. They throw her down in front of Jesus. The law of Moses says to stone her for what she's done. And he said, okay. And he who is without sin, you cast the first stone. I've had it. And he was the only one that could have cast the first stone. And he said, child, where are your accusers? <laughs> where are they at? He said, neither do I condemn. Your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. That's who the Father is. <laughs> and that's the relationship the Father wants to have with his children. When I started thinking about the word intimacy, and I know we've probably all seen it broken down here and there into the words into me see. Into me see. What does that look like? What, how do I do that? Uh, what does it require? And I started thinking about it, and it, and it, re, it requires a face-to-face -face reality. Eye-to-eye. -eye. Conversations to conversations. Listening and listening. We are never going to get more intimate if we never listen. If all we have to do is talk, it is not going to take you where you really want to go. We have to listen to each other. We have to be in the same place at the same time, talking and listening. Facebook does not count. I love Facebook. I do. I'm a Facebook queen. I love it mostly because I can see all my great nephews and nieces in Florida that we don't get to visit all the time. That's my favorite part of Facebook. But the sad part to me is that Facebook, all the social media, texting, emails, Twitter, what did you say? Texting. Exactly. They do nothing for intimacy. In fact, I have had to pray through people through hurt that they received at the hands of Facebook and texting especially. Because you notice when I'm talking to you, my voice goes up and down, and you know if I'm happy or really not very. You know, you can hear the inflection in my voice. You know my tone, and I'm going to deliver a, a sentence, and you're going to capture the meaning because you hear me speak it. That whole text thing... Especially people who use no punctuation. Can I just even say, that drives me crazy. Tulio. And Tulio, I love this man. And because I know his character, I can still love him when he texts me. There is one word if he can get away with it. There'll be one letter if he can get away with it. But there's no periods. And I'm telling you, I am an emoticon queen. I'm going to put smiley faces. I, I use too many exclamation points. I know that. But people know if I'm passionate about that sentence that I just typed. It doesn't work. It's a tool. It's okay. But it is not the end-all reality of relationships. 
You've got to talk to each other face to face when the very real me can meet a very real you. And we have an emotional, spiritual connection. That's what intimacy is. A close, personal relationship. When I get in that place where I'm afraid for you to see the real me, what am I going to do? I'm going to find my fig leaf, I'm going to find my tree, and I'm going to go hide behind it. And this has happened to me. I'm going to have to tell the story. When I was 18, I got involved in a very healthy relationship with a young man who was engaged. It was really quite fabulous. It, it really worked for me. He'd come see me all the time, and we talked all the time, and I knew his family. <laughs> Whatever. How you get in a relationship with someone who's engaged to someone else did I forget that part? Because <laughs> it wasn't me he was engaged to, right? I was not doing well. So who did I avoid at all costs? Rick and Paula Sizemore. I didn't go to their house. I didn't call them. I snuck out of church early. I'd, I'd go so he'd see me. But then I was gone. You know, I was not <laughs> going to have a face-to-face reality with Rick and Paula. Because my sin felt good, and I was enjoying it, and I knew that they would mess it up, so I stayed away until one night in a parking lot in front of USAVE Supermarket (laughs) in Okeechobee, Florida, Rick drives up, I swear this is the honest to God's truth, Rick drives up in his little car, he sees me standing there, he rolls his window down, and he looks at me, he said, my house Seven (laughs) o'clock. He rolled his window up. (laughs) There was no opportunity at discussing this. I was going to Rick's house. He put his window back down and said, and if you don't come, I will come find you. Window back up and Rick drove away. (laughs) Dang it, I had to break up with that boy the next day. I couldn't believe it. He ruined my affair, but... I thank you now, Rick. I thank you for that. But the very real me didn't want to have an interaction with the very real Jesus in Rick and Paula. Do you see what I'm saying? Sin destroys intimacy. What Robbie is saying is dead on the money when you are wanting to do what you want to do at the cost of other people. That's not God. That's not God. We have to have real. And real means bringing in in the light, right? So 1 John 1, 7. Because if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And, that's capital, and the blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse us from all our sin. I mean, this is what I would call a win-win situation. Enemy, no-win situation. Walking in the light, win-win situation. And I tell every guy that ever graduates our program, if I can get a hold of them on graduation day, so you guys get yours early. If it goes through here, bring it out here. That's how to stay in the light. 
Anything kept in the dark place, that's where the mold grows, right? Okay, they may be able to get penicillin out of that, but that's got to be quite a process, so that doesn't sound like fun either. That is a dark and dangerous place. Bring it in the light. Let God deal with that in the light. And then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will forgive. He forgives. His heart is to forgive. I, I just wanted to say that she's talking about recovery. My, my, my recovery, I, I didn't stay sober and clean because of what I learned in classrooms. <laughs> I stayed sober and clean because of relationships. I lived in Indian Town, Florida. I, I lived in a, a halfway house. And there was crack towns right down the road, Booker Park. And I had a, a pull in me to go there. Tremendous pull to go get high. And some of you that have been there know what I'm talking about. And I want to go get a bump. <laughs> you know? That's old school. Yeah. <laughs> but I was also a part of a home church that met once a week. And in, in, instead of listening to that pull, I went to that home church, even when they didn't have home church. I went and spent time at those people's house. And I, I would talk to them about what I was going through, what was going on. Sometimes I wouldn't even do that. Sometimes I'd just start sharing about the Lord. <laughs> We'd start talking about the Lord. And the next thing you know, <laughs> I had my perspective right again. I was seeing things right again. And I, and I firmly believe in the early years of my recovery, it was that home church those relationships in that home fellowship that helped me stay sober and helped me stay clean and continue to walk with God it was so vital to my recovery. It wasn't information that changed me and helped me. It was relationships. Well, when I went a step farther and I asked the Lord, well, what keeps me from that? What keeps me from the very real me meeting the very real you? And the word I heard so clearly was shame. Shame. Shame says that my sin is too dark. Shame says, can you believe I just told y'all I had an affair with an engaged man? Can y'all even believe I just shared that in public, like in front of people? That's because God's delivered me from the shame of that. You know, there I can comfort you. I can comfort single women. I love this man. And he came along in a powerful time of my life. I needed him. We got married six weeks before my 32nd birthday. Did y'all catch those numbers? 32. I was old and I was a maid and it was going to stay that way. Rick kept making me give my testimony like that was going to bring some man in my life. And I'm like, I guess I'm just never going to get married. I better love Jesus. You know, it's that kind of thing. But at the right time, at the right time, the right man came. In our relationship... Can I tell you how much healing I had before we got married? So good to get rid of baggage first. I didn't have to bring that into my wedding. So awesome. But the shame of our actions tell us that we can't let that action be known to anyone else. And that, my friends, is a lie. Robbie's right. At the foot of the cross, that ground is level. I love, there's a saying I saw, I think on Pinterest somewhere, but it said, don't judge me. Because I sin different than you. Our sin is sin. Sin is sin is sin. And in the eyes of God, it all equals the same thing. And what it equals is we're not with him. 
That's the bottom line. Get the sin in the light. He's right. I've had women confess to me prostitution, abortion. I could, I could make you a list. I, I don't... I mean, I, fa- I don't think my face can really register shock anymore. Like, I've heard so much. But I'm so grateful that for that because people feel safe to tell me that dark thing that they can't tell anybody else. Because I'm not going to judge that dark thing. I had an affair with an engaged man. <laughs> I can't judge you if you're having an affair. I can't judge you if you're not walking with God. Because I have not walked with God. So when our sins have us locked in and they tell us that it's too bad, what do we do again? We isolate, we withdraw, we judge, we become bitter, and we hate. Now that sounds like a festive relationship, doesn't it? Festive. That's the girl I want to hang out with. In fact, that is the girl I can hang out with sometimes (laughs) because it's me. Okay, so anyway. (laughs) Sorry. I regress. I'm sorry. Uh, so, the truth of the matter is, if I can't receive grace and mercy for me from the throne, I have nothing to extend to you. I have to know that Jesus loves me past my sin. I have to know that he adores me, that I am dark, but I'm lovely. He sees. He sees the real me. He sees who he created me to be. That's who he sees me. He sees you. He sees every one of you as who he created you to be. As far as the east is from the west, I heard Gassing Crown singing yesterday. How far is the east from the west? How far is that? I don't know, but it's a long way. And that's how far he casts our sins from him. He remembers them no more. We cannot get caught in shame. Find that person. Pursue that person that you can tell that dark thing to. Get release from that dark thing. There is freedom. There is freedom for every one of those things. My shame says no, but my father says yes. And my only qualification is that I'm a daughter. Right? Any other stipulations that you know that I've missed? I'm a daughter. You're a daughter. You're a son. Because of that, we get to go to the Father. We get to go into that throne room with confidence so that we can receive mercy and grace in a time of need. See, lack of confidence says, I can't go talk to him about this. But man, confidence says, Lord, I blew it. I have so blown it but I need you. And when I receive that grace and mercy, then I have it to give to you. And that's a glorious thing when the body can love the body in the fullness. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know where I am now. Um, How much time do we have? Oh my Lord, have mercy. Okay. Well, this this was another thought that came to me. And I have to be honest. When I thought of this scripture... I I balked at it just a little bit. Have you guys ever seen something so many times you don't see it anymore? Do you know what I'm talking about? The mountains that we live in? Until it's fall. I guess everybody sees them then. How about that uh, scripture memory verse you got stuck on your 
bathroom mirror that you're convinced you're going to learn the entire, you know, 119th Psalm, you know, and then you're moving it so you can put on your makeup. You know what I'm saying? You can see something so much you never see it anymore, or you can hear it so much that you check out. Oh, let's read 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love never fails. Can we move on? Right? You've heard it so many times, you don't hear it anymore. Well, these two scriptures <laughs> fall into that category for me. I hate to say that. It's been a revelation studying to do this this week. <laughs> but um, what I heard the Lord say is he took me to Matthew 22, um, that we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know that that was spoken in the law. Well, in the fulfillment of that, of that scripture, there's a new commandment I give you that you, uh, that you love one another as I've loved you. you know, that's the fulfillment of that scripture. We can't do that without Christ. Christ fulfilled those scriptures. But the truth of the matter in that whole thing is we cannot love the Lord our God with all of our mind. Have y'all thought about that? How much of your mind do you not love Jesus with? All of our soul, those negative emotions that you don't want to show anybody. How much of that is loving Jesus? And all of our heart, my heart has dark, dark rooms in it. And I don't always want to let God in there. So how can I do that? I can't do that without intimacy. I can't do that without vulnerability with God. And then loving my neighbor, I loved it because I read, you shall. My gosh, if you do this, it equals this. You do this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But what happens to that poor neighbor when you're walking in self-hate? Anybody in here struggle with self-hate? I do. I do. I'll be the one to say it. I can look in the mirror and despise the woman that's looking back at me. When I don't spend time with Jesus, I can land myself smack dab in the middle of a pity party. And when I'm living in that, I have no love for him. I can't offer him intimacy. I can't offer him vulnerability because he's just going to correct me. Do you know how many times I'll look at him and go, now I know what I'm about to say is wrong. Do you do this? I know it's not Jesus. I know Jesus ain't in this, but I've got to say it because it's got to get out in the light and then we'll pray. But don't correct me. And guys, let me help you. Okay? Learn this question. Learn, learn this question. Honey, is this one of them things where you don't want me to say nothing? <laughs> yes. Is this one of them? And most of the time it's yes. yes. Yeah. Rarely does she want advice. I love that moment where we go, can I? Can I say something? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Give me 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes and I'll come back and you can say what you got to say. But I can't hear it right now. That is intimacy. That is vulnerability. But when I'm hating me, when you're hating you, or when we're hating anybody, frankly, there is nothing in that that opens the door for intimacy or vulnerability it shuts everything down so here's the hard part we live in a world full of hurting people it has been our experience that hurting people 
hurt people. I dare say there's not a person in this room who's not been hurt by someone in a relationship. You told your best friend you had a crush on someone, she told the whole school. I mean, it started way back for me. I don't know about y'all, but we go way back with violation of trust. Right? Or I tell Robbie, I made this mistake, and he goes into the elders. Rick, man, we got to pray for Tony. You should see what she's done. Dang it, you had to tell them all? They, they were all there? Tell me Tom wasn't there. Anybody, just tell me. Who can I see on Sunday and it won't embarrass me? That, guys, is the hard part. We all sin. I think that's just the bottom line. We all sin. We fall short of the glory of God. When we've done that, we've cut off the very intimacy that God wants from us. So confession of our sin, right? We're going to the throne room, receiving healing for that, and then we have love. We have love again for ourselves and for each other. Yeah, and, in, and in that scripture she's talking about, we walk in the light as he is in light. Uh, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all our sins. It goes on to saying that it, it leads up into 1 John 1, 9, the key in that. The key in that is that if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how you walk in the light. <laughs> that's, that's how you walk in the light. We walk in the light by coming in. He says, if you say that you have no sin, you're, you make God a liar. You know, you're wrong. You know, we've all sinned. We know that we come to him. We confess our sin. We agree with him and we've missed the mark. It doesn't say that he cleanses us from some unrighteousness. It doesn't say that he cleanses us from certain unrighteousness. Just that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Anything that would make us not right with God, we're cleansed from. Amen. <laughs> it's washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why? Because the veil's been torn in two. We, we have access to the most intimate place, the Holy of Holies. Amen. We have access to the most intimate place. Well, and the, and the, the summation of that for me is because that's where we get to be intimate. We get to worship him. We get to adore him. We get to listen for his voice. We get to feel the love that he has for us. And then and only then can we love our neighbors as ourselves. And then that love, it comes out as a natural expression of what's happened. Tulio said it over and over last week. You got to have this. You can't have this. Can't have this without this. And he also said, he was talking about pursuing. Tammy brought out, we have to be willing to be pursued. He wants to pursue us. He wants to be intimate with us. He wants us to be vulnerable to him. Do you know what vulnerability means? That we have the ability to get hurt. Today, you get to choose. You get to weigh that out. Is it worth it? Is the possibility worth what you can receive? Weigh it out because God never fails. Love never fails. That's in 1 Corinthians 13. He always hopes. Never fails. So choose. Choose intimacy. Choose to be vulnerable. Even when we met, I'd, I just knew who he was. He was playing guitar on the worship team back at Dunklin. But God woke me up one night, and the very words he spoke to me were, I want you 
to be vulnerable to Robbie Maddox. You are in the wrong bedroom, God. I, I don't know who you think you're visiting, but you've got the wrong girl. Because vulnerability was not on my list of to-dos. I was not interested. But then he spoke to me and he said, if you're willing to be vulnerable, on the other side of vulnerability will be a blessing. It wasn't Robbie I had to trust. It was the one who spoke to me. It's the one who spoke to me. So I chose. I challenge you to listen. What's he asking you to take a risk? What's he asking you to step out in that little place? A possible hurt, but maybe on the other side is a blessing. Because what's the other option? We keep our heart all walled up. We keep our heart all closed in. Don't step out. You know, nobody, nobody can pull your bush out from in front of you. You'll find another bush. <laughs> the only one that can woo us out from behind our bush is the love of Christ. <laughs> the love of Christ woos us from behind our bush. And we take a risk and we take a chance. We step out. And, and I'd love to sit here and tell you that in, in my walk as a Christian, I, I have never been hurt by a Christian, but I'd be lying to you. Hurt people, hurt people. But we heard that scripture, but be of good cheer. You know that whole, yeah. you'll have tribulation in the world thing? Yeah. I think that's part of it. Praise Being God. hurt by each other. But be of good cheer. Yeah. He does have a solution for that. Whatever. You're ruining the moment, honey. Sorry. <laughs> be of good cheer, people. Don't listen to Robbie. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> I'm doing good. Anyway. You know, the other option is that we, we keep our heart all walled up. And I want to read something to you by C.S. Lewis that I think is really good. It says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. Yet to refuse to love is the greatest of all human tragedies. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it careful round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all dangers of love is hell. Takes a risk. Takes a risk. We have to take a risk. We have to step out to take a chance to love. And the cool thing is, is you got to hear this, is that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. (laughs) Anytime I've been hurt trying to love someone, it doesn't mean that I wall up and don't keep trying to love that Mm -hmm. person. It means that I allow Jesus to heal my broken heart and I keep trying to love. (laughs) I keep pursuing. I keep going. Now, it doesn't mean that if I'm in an abusive situation that I keep putting myself in an abusive situation. No. But in my time with God, I allow him to bring my heart to a place of love for that person. That I'm not carrying around bitterness and judgment and anger that ultimately will hurt me and destroy me. Yeah. Yeah. We take a chance. We take a risk. We step out. We trust our heart. 
We trust our in intimacy with God. And as a result, we can be intimate with one another. And we've all been we've all been hurt. We've all been through stuff. We've all had our issues. But I want to say this to you, and I said this in the beginning, that it's been the enemy's plan all along to destroy intimacy and vulnerability. He started with Adam and Eve. You, I, I was looking at some of the scriptures where he prowls around like a roaring lion. Right before that, Rick, he's talking about relationships with elders and and, and leaders and shepherds in the flock. It has to do with relationships. You, you look in the, in the scripture where he's teaching about prayer. Okay, He talks about forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then it says lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And then right after that it talks about forgiveness. That's sandwiched in between relationships. The destruction of our lives from the enemy comes from the destruction of relationships. That's where we're hurt the most. Listen, I'm not hurt by losing my iPhone. I might, get, I might struggle with that because I dropped it in the toilet and Verizon wants to charge me 200 stinking dollars to get it back. I struggle with that. Okay? I mean, I might struggle with that, but that doesn't hurt me like when I've heard about somebody talking behind my back that I'm close to. And the enemy and their sin have, has used that sin to hurt me and try to destroy my life. That hurts. And that's the ploy of the enemy through relationships. But God, through the cross, has brought redemption. And we don't have to live like that anymore. We can be free. We can have hope. We can have peace. We can walk through the pain and the hurt. You know, one of the, and I'm going to end with this, one of the hardest things that I've ever faced in my life was uh, not too long ago, we had a guy uh, leave our program and uh, committed suicide. And, uh, that's probably one of the hardest things I ever faced in my life. I wanted to quit. I wanted to stop. I didn't want to do it anymore. Leaders in this church were so awesome. I mean, they came around us and loved us and helped us, ministered to us, comforted us. I was in a real dark place in my bedroom. I talked to Rick. And, you know, he'd said all this good stuff he says, but I really wasn't listening to it. I was in a bad place. And I cried out to the Lord in a dark place. I cried. And God met me. And God loved me. And God comforted me. And gave me a peace. And it helped me through that situation. He carried me. He didn't leave me. He didn't forsake me. In the midst of that pain, in the midst of that tragedy, he was there. He was there. And I could get into all the coulda, woulda, shouldas and all the, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Shoulda done this, shoulda done. I, I, I can't, I don't know. <laughs> but I know this. That in that hard place, God met me. He loved me. He carried me through and he, he healed my broken heart. <laughs> I want to say that to you this morning. That if that's you, if you're in that place, 
God wants to heal your heart. DJ, God wants to minister to you. And I'm not asking you to do it all at once this morning. But some people are going to come and stand. And if you're in a place and there's something you're struggling with that, that you need to get out in the light, something that you're ashamed of or something that you're broken about, a hurt, a pain, something that you need to get out, that you need to confess and begin the process of healing. I'm not saying it's all going to happen right here. But you can begin the process of getting the help that you need to overcome it. Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray. Lord, thank you that you never leave us and that you never forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you heal our broken hearts. Thank you that you love us so unconditionally, Lord. An unconditional love, Lord, that our finite minds can't even fathom, Lord. You're so good. And Lord, I just pray for the hearts here this morning that have struggled with whatever, Lord, where their hearts have become broken and there's things they're ashamed of and they're in the dark about, whatever, God. I just pray that process would begin this morning. Finding healing and restoration. Finding restoration of the intimacy, God, that you created us for. The vulnerability, God, that you made us for. I pray for that. Lord, I pray for someone in here whose who's forearm is, is hurt. Lord, and I, I pray, God, for healing in that forearm. Lord, I pray that you touch it right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for the person's back, the, the lower area near the hip. God, I, I pray right now healing touch in that, in that area of someone's back. And God, someone's right knee. Lord, I, I pray for that right knee that's hurt, that's in pain right now. Lord, I pray you remove the swelling. Lord, I pray that you, you heal the, the ACL or MCL, whatever it is. Lord, I just pray, God, you touch that, you heal that right now. Lord, and most of all, God, I pray you heal our hearts. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much. I just want to say, too, if there's anybody here that, that has never tasted that intimacy with God, you've never known Come on. what intimacy with God is. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been coming here. I, I don't know. But I also want to invite you to come. Because we'd like to introduce you to the one who wants to love you in ways that you've never been loved. Yeah. So, it's all yours. <laughs> come.